Okay, good, good. I was just making sure I was a little worried. Like, this is dumb. I don't want to have it. I actually quite love it. So I'm not going to be showing up at any more events as long as I have this on with only one shoe. I'm going to, really, really, no more, no more. So you can you can take my word on that one. Uh, hey, I'm starting a brand new series next week called Relationship Equals Response. And it's a Christmas-themed message that, that I think is going to be power, speak powerfully regarding our relationship with God and others. But uh, it's going to be awesome starting next Sunday. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, guys. Hey, have you ever really walked through a really, really tough time? <laughs> and if you ever have, please remember this. It's normal. Everyone has to walk through some fire. And today I'm going to talk to you about failing to fry. Yes, I'm actually going to talk to you about how to be a failure, but you're going to fail to fry. Now, you see, I, I, uh, I might be walking through some fire, but the truth is I'm not going to fry. For the past couple of Sundays, I've been talking about you know walking through the fire. Some of you are in the middle of it. Uh, uh, your feet are getting hot, and your hiking boots are starting to melt. And I've been sharing with you, though, some stories from the Scriptures and some other Scriptures. And, and embedded in these stories are the principles and truths on how to be a fire walker. So if you've missed any Sunday in this three-part series, please go back and listen to those episodes on our podcast. Uh, and, and you might say, but I'm not in a fire right now. Well, you might not be, but you might be when January of 2016 rolls around, and you need to be ready for it. Today, we're talking about how to fail to fry. In fact, I have this one, one line, this one statement. I want you to take a look at it, because this is kind of the center of it all. Uh, it, it says, my feet are to the fire, but I'm not getting burned. Come on, say that with me. My feet are to the fire, but I'm not getting burned. Come on, say it again. My feet are to the fire, but I'm not getting burned. Now, the truth is, my feet may be hot, uh, from the fire that I've been walking through this year, but I'm not getting burned. And that's that's nice. My feet are to the fire, but they're not getting burned. I, I'm going to walk through the fire, and I can handle the heat, and I'm going to fail to fry. <laughs> I like the way that James, the brother of Jesus, said this. And we've been sharing this scripture with you the past couple of weeks, and, and it bears repeating. I want you to look at this. This is good. This is good if you're going through a tough time. It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, Contestant challenges come at you from all sides. That means from the right, the left, behind you, in front of you. Ah, okay, wait a minute, that's a gift. It says, you know that under pressure, 
your faith life is forced out into the open, and it shows its true colors. This is important, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely, and that's, that's really the crux of today's message. Let it do its work so that you'll become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. And if you don't know what to do, pray to the Father because he loves to help and you will get his help and you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Verse 12 says, anyone who meets this testing challenge head on and manages to stick with it, stick it out, walk through it, walk through the fire, it says, that person is mighty fortunate. For such persons Loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. There is a reward for the stuff you're walking through. Keep moving forward. You're, you, some of you, you're sweating and you're panting and you're, you're ready to pass out right now. I want to say, hold on. Don't give up. You can be a firewalker. In fact, brought, God brought you here today for a reason, and that's because God has a word for you today. And Jesus is about to show up in the middle of your fire. And you can't run from the fire. You can't run from the heat in this life. And, and remember this is that Jesus never promised that everything was just going to be okay in life. Oh, well, you give your life to me, and everything's going to be just wonderful. You know, no, no, no. I mean, guys, remember this. That's heaven. We're not there yet. Look at the headlines in the papers. This is not heaven. Heaven is that perfect place. We're not there yet. Yet Jesus promised you that when you're walking through the fire, he's going to be with you. We absolutely, absolutely must overcome this, uh, this other little subtle lie that comes along with just bad stuff that you're walking through. And the lie is this, is that if you're going through a tough spot, then obviously um, God has, you, you must have let God down and God is punishing you or something like that. Or, or, or if you see someone else walking through some fire, you look at them and think, well, there must be some sin in their life because that's why they're walking through that. I mean, guys, please know this. Those are ridiculous lies, and those are one of the lies that we're coming against during this series to get those things out of our minds. Jesus himself put it this way. In the world, you will have Good times all the time. No, that's not what the Bible says. Some people think it says that or act like it says that. It doesn't say that. Okay, I, I know this is not the happy verse of the Bible. At least the first part isn't. But, but look at it. In this world, you will have what? You will have what? Trouble. But take heart. What that means is get your head and your emotions together because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus is basically saying right here, he goes, man, I was born to be a firewalker, and I've walked through some fire, and you can too. I want you to open up your Bibles to Daniel, uh, chapter number three. Daniel three, it's in the Old Testament. As you hear today's message and read this passage from Daniel chapter three with me, uh, you might start realizing that you are actually born to walk through the fire that you're walking through, that there's something good that's going to come out of this. Some of you today may, may just decide to stop asking God to deliver you from tough stuff in your life and start looking to that same fire or looking to that trial and begin to say, I was born to walk through this and something good's going to come out on the other side of this. You see, Christians are notorious <laughs> for, for, for asking to be delivered from their own prayer requests. Do you know that? I mean, really, really, seriously. In fact, I think we should make a new rule at City Life. We should put it like on the screens and we could quote it every Sunday. I don't know. I think that's kind of corny, but it would be fun. But here, here would be the new rule. You are not allowed to ask Jesus to deliver you 
from that which you prayed the previous Sunday. I, I really think that could be it. I mean, I'll say it again. You are not allowed to ask Jesus to deliver you from something you prayed for the week before. Because sometimes, you know, people are having prayer time at church. And I said, how many of you guys want to be used by God? I want to be, God, use me, God, use me. And they sign up and, and then they come in and they're installing new lights during the week. And, and at the end of the week, they send me an email and say, say Pastor, I'm done with this. You know, I just feel like I'm being used. It's like, wait a minute, you prayed to be used for God, and I don't even, I don't even get it. Now, nobody did that, but, but sometimes I do get those things. I, actually, quite often, I, I do get messages like that. I just feel like I'm being used. Like, well, you wanted to be used, so you wanted to be delivered from what you asked for. And, oh, you know, and here, here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, some of you, you might be praying, guys, you might be praying for a wife with all these wonderful, perfect qualities, and then you're going to marry her. Now, again, that, that's for the single guys, not for the guy, married, guy, married guys. Okay, you're not praying that prayer. But the single guys, you're praying, God, God, I have all this, these things that I need, a new wife. And I encourage you to do that. Please, please do that. I think that's, that's, very, that's a, a good thing to do. It's a right thing to do. But you get married to this wife that has all this whole big long list of qualities. Then you realize, man, I've got to work four extra jobs to take care of her, you know? And I just have to say, thank God, I'm a one-job husband. I, I'm very glad for that. But you see, somebody else, we can pray to be delivered from what we actually prayed for. <laughs> you see, there has to come a day when we as Christians simply say this, I'm going to walk through these storms, I'm going to walk through the challenges that I'm facing, I'm walk through the stress that I'm facing, and I was born to fight this fight. I was born to walk through this fire, and I'm not going to give up. Maybe today your marriage is difficult, and instead of running from your marriage, fight for your marriage. And I fight, in fact, you should always fight for your marriage. One of the things I told my wife during, during the, 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 the time when we were supposed to say, what do you like doing on a rainy day? I said, oh, well, i tell you what I like doing on a rainy day. I just like being with you doing anything where you're doing because I just like being with you. And that's the truth. I mean, that's, that's like, I don't know what event or thing I like to do, but I certainly, certainly do like to be with her. Again, that, those are ways that we always just keep fighting. You know, you, you need to say, I was born to fight for what is Right. Some of you, you found yourself this year on the ski slope that you didn't want to be on. You're in the situation that you didn't plan for, and everything in you wants to say, I can't do this. I want to give up. I want to give up. Or, or you might feel lonely and, and feel like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Well, you were born to fight this fight. You can get through it. Don't, don't give up hope. Be a failure when it comes to frying. I'm going to fail to fry. Maybe your feet are in the fire right now, but I want you to fail to get burned. Some of you may be facing a, uh, a health challenge right now, and uh, people around you are saying, see, God gave up on you. You need just to walk away from God. Well, I'm, I just want to encourage you to tune out those voices and don't listen to that. In fact, I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit of God will somehow remind you and speak to you that Jesus Christ is with you. The Holy Spirit is empowering you, and you were born for this, and you do not have to get burned in the fire. You can overcome. Now, let's take a look at Daniel chapter number three. The setting of Daniel three is, uh, is where Iraq is today, and it's this ancient Babylonian empire where the king was Nebuchadnezzar. History calls him Nebuchadnezzar the Great. We call him Nebuchadnezzar because we don't call him the Great. But uh, some of God's people, the Jews, had been taken there by Nebuchadnezzar and even people from other countries to serve and work in Babylon. And, and, and some of these people from other countries 
including the Jews, were given government positions to serve in. It's kind of like the men that are in this particular story. So that's the setting. Daniel chapter number three, verse one starts off this way. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Hey, just want to let you guys know a little side note here. I love, I love to study the scriptures. In fact, before I share any message, I've spent really hours researching and studying just everything because I want to know everything about it. And, and what I share with you in this message doesn't even begin to get into all the studies I'm in, but I like to kind of get into it and I live in it. And one of the neat things I found about this is, is southwest of Baghdad, they actually found this huge base, archaeologists did, and they said this, would, this was not like a structure for a, a building or anything. This would have just been a structure for a giant something that stood all about, you know, this, this certain height, which would have been about, about eight stories high. This is, this is something that was built for that, and it's actually in the same exact place that the Bible says says it was in, which again is those wonderful proofs of the scripture. There's a little river that goes by it called like a Duran River or something like that, the plain of Dura, and it's a plain that's in front of it. I mean, that's right where it is. So it's kind of cool. The base of the thing is still there today. Just to, just, just to let you know, the Bible's true. All right? I love it. I love it. Okay. So it says, he, Nebuchadnezzar, summoned the satraps. I know what the satraps are too, but I'm not going to tell you. All right, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all of the provincial officials assembled at the dedication of the image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. So imagine the setting. This is basically an assembly of all the government workers, all the public servants, anyone who was on the king's payroll, the people that he he had appointed. And, and, and the king is showing off this new ba- massive structure that was made of gold. And, and you can imagine it must have looked absolutely brilliant in the sun that day. It was quite an event. And here's what happened. It says, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither. You guys like that word, zither? I know what a zither is. How many of y'all know what it is? I'll just tell you what a zither is. This is cool. A zither is actually the ancient guitar. Ooh. Jordan, you're a zither player. Yeah. In fact, I happened to notice this morning, we were all zitherers up here on the platform. Yes, everyone was zithering. If you play, if you were play the zither, you must be zithering. So uh, it, that's kind of a cool thing just to remember. So, so if, I ever, if, if we ever get in church, I said, I'd like the zither players to come. You know, you know who you are. Okay, guys, here we go. <laughs> all right, the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre. That's not politicians. That's actually like a small harp, right? The zither, the lyre, the harp, the the the, the the pipe and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Keep in mind that there would have been a blazing furnace there because they were having to melt down gold and everything to make this huge statue. So it says, therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and people of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So it's all happening. But at this time, some of the astrologers, and and there, there were astrologers, we know this, that were actually on the king's payroll, astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, well, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of 
the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship, just as a reminder, they're supposed to be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, people of God, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. So they were government officials. And their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you set up. <laughs> you know, there's always, there's always this, this hater in the bunch who wants to pull you down, right, guys? Some of you are in that right now. There's a hater who's trying to pull you down. But you should expect it because it's normal. In fact, Jesus went through the same thing all the time. The story goes on. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I set up. And then he chills out a little bit because he's going to give them a second chance. It's like, okay, see, this would have been the perfect out for them. Now, when you hear the sound of, and he lists all the instruments again, just in case anyone forgot, the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image that I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. <laughs> then he says, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Oh, he just said the wrong thing. See, so the standoff has begun. He's driven the stake in the ground. His position is clear. It's bow or burn. It's that simple. Back to the scripture, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Now, I want to say, guys, that's something to pause and ponder because Christians quite often get caught up in this trap of debate. Let me tell you something. There's power in silence. Jesus practiced it. He refused to defend and debate. Why? It's because he knew God is our defender. That's what we need to know, too. God will defend us if we'll just let him. You know, people are going to try to debate you and just let God do what God's going to do. It's funny to see someone again last week, not knowing from here, but in, in their great, majestic, holy persona, has said, said, you know, if you have you really examined Pastor Tim? They didn't call me Pastor Tim, but have you really examined any potential unholy thoughts or actions that have happened in your life? Because you have that broken knee, you know? Now, at that point, I did have an unholy thought about them. But you know, the truth is, you don't need to defend yourselves. You don't. You just keep moving forward. So, so, so we choose to do that. It's a choice when, the, when those things happen. For me, my choice is, you know, here's the truth. I'm going to see my orthopedic surgeon again this week, and I'm going to find out what my next step is. And, and she told me that if I come back and my broken bone has not yet fused the way she wants it to be, she's going to go ahead and schedule surgery. But here's my attitude that I have chosen to walk in, and it's this. My bone is fused. My knee is healing. I will walk straight in the future, and my, my muscles will heal, and I'm going to be stronger in the end than I ever was in the beginning because God is my healer. But even if she says surgery is your only option, I will still worship God. I will still honor God, and God will still be my healer. You see, th th this, this fire that I'm in 
The truth is, it is making me stronger. It really is. In fact, this is, this is true. The, the, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, my recorded blood pressure was 103 over 79. Now, I'm going to tell you, friends, that is the lowest I've, I've ever recorded it. And here, here's, here's the clincher. Just, okay, you see, because blood pressure has to do with stress and all that kind of stuff and a lot of other things, but, but what's, my, what's one of my biggest stressors? You, well, you may not know, but it's going to a mall. That is actually about the, one of the most stressful things I can do. I, I know I'm, I'm a rare breed, but I just like, I, I'm, I'm a city boy, but I go to the mall. Well, my family wanted to go to the mall, not just go to the mall, like on a, but they wanted to go to a mall in Dallas on Black Friday. I am sitting, and I've, I've already resolved in my heart, had not told them yet, but I'm going to go to the mall with them, but I'm going to stay in the car because it's just, I'm, I'm, there's no reason to deal with that. So I'm going to be cool. I'm just going to get there. I'm just going to stay in the car. Well, well we, were they getting in the car, and I, I'm checking my blood pressure, and I'm reading this lowest blood pressure ever right as I'm beginning to head out into Black Friday shopping mania. <laughs> and the truth is, is that even with this, is I'm resting more. I'm stressing less. And bottom line is I'm doing what Rebecca told me to do all along, and it actually works. I'm healthier. Came through a broken bone, but I'm not upset about a broken bone. See, that's basically the attitude that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had and, and, and their responses to the, the sound of the zithers. And so, so here, here they go, go back to the scripture. says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, note this, they were never being disrespectful and they, they even honored the wicked leader by using the titles and the right, the, the right approach. But when they were confronted, they were clear with, with the king, there is a higher law. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude changed toward them. You see, when they stood for what was right, his attitude changed. And so what he did is he ordered the furnace to be seven times hotter than it was before. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, it's interesting, their attire, their robes, their trousers, their turbans, and their, their turbans. Did you know, every picture I have ever seen since I was a child does not show these guys in turbans. But they had turbans. So just to make the record, if you ever see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going in there and their hair is all flowing, it wasn't that way, all right? They had turbans on, so they had their thing going on, and, and, they were, and their other clothes, and they were bound, and they were thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, the, and the, these three men firmly tied, then fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, hey, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. Okay, all kinds of things wrong with that. Four men walking in the fire, unbound, unharmed. And he said, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Now, just a little, little note here. 
This is what many people, uh, theologians, and I myself believe also, this is what's called a theophany. That's your, your big word of the day, not zither, theophany. But theophany, let me tell you what it is. It is, it is a it is a physical, visible manifestation of Jesus prior to the New Testament, the Son of God. This is one of, and these, these, this happened a few times throughout the Old Testament, and I believe this is one of those things. It's just, uh, it's Jesus was walking with him in the fire. I really, really believe that. There's a fourth man in the fire, and it's actually Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of now, he's saying, the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and look at this now. There's reasons for all these lists of offices and things. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and all the royal advisors crowded around them. They're going to see what's going on. The whole government is there to see this. And they saw that the fire, they saw it. It wasn't just the king. It's everyone who was there saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Not a hair on their head was singed. Had nothing to do with the fact that they were wearing turbans. I'm sorry, guys, but not a hair was singed. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. Have you guys ever walked through, you know, walked into a room with like, you know, everybody's smoking, you walk out and you're not a smoker and you're like, man, I, I smell it. I just kind of walk through or, or maybe you shake a hand of a person and you're like, whoa. Okay, think about that, how simple that is. And that's something we deal with all the time. These guys were in a fire and they came out, they didn't even smell like fire at all. Their feet were to the fire, but they were not getting burned. Look at it. And this is, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I like this. This is the days of the ancient kings. He just created rules on the fly. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be, and he's thinking of what am I going to do here? You're going to be cut to pieces. Yeah. And your houses are going to be turned into piles of rubble. And I can see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going, whoa, a little extreme there. You know? <laughs> but that's this king. He was a king of extremes. He said, but look at this. He said, for no other God can save in this way. He's still a wicked king, but God had awakened him, and he's giving praise to God, and he now legalized that you, you make it legal. You do not have to bow down to the image. And to top it all off, icing on the cake is this. It says, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I mean, bam, they get a promotion. They get a raise. They get favor. They move from conflict to an attack to a death sentence to a miracle to all of a sudden promotion. Guys, that just might be your story. Your feet may be to the fire, but you're not getting burned. My feet are to the fire, but I'm not getting burned. Come on, say it with me. My feet are to the fire, but I'm not. Come on, say it, guys. My feet are to the fire, but I'm not getting. You do not have to give in. You were born for this. Jesus is with you in the fire, and you might be wore out. You might be discouraged. You might just be disheartened or frustrated or, or in pain or lonely or angry or hurting. And you might just be totally disappointed in everything and everyone. But that fire that you're walking through does not have to be your demise. That blazing furnace does not have to be your final destiny. 
It might be the fire that you were actually chosen to walk through so some amazing things can happen. It will actually give you the promotion and many other people come to Christ as a result of it. And it's not going to destroy you. If you'll just take a look around, the Son of God just might be standing there with you in the middle of that fire. Yes, your feet might be to the fire, but you're not getting burned. One of the important truths in this story is this, is that, guys, you need to stand for God no matter what. You do. Um, they didn't bow. They did not bow. And there was a command of God that they had lived by that came from Moses that simply says, you shall not worship idols or images. They knew it. They weren't going to budge. Black and white. It was simple for them. And so why do we sometimes make it so muddy? Oh, you know, we're just so afraid of, well, if somebody thinks something and somebody says something, I don't know. I don't want to be in the outs with somebody. I mean, you know, you might be going against the culture of your friendship or, or going against even a corporate culture or government culture, but, 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 but you still need to stand for what's right. But, but here, on the other hand, I want you to note something. They didn't make a huge scene up front. The one who made the huge scene was Nebuchadnezzar. A lot of Christians make a big scene, and that's something I think we need to call out. See, they didn't refuse to go to the event. Well, I'm not going to the event because it's the tall statue. We will not go. We are the Christians. We are the Jews. We refuse. And they were out picketing the event, you know, wrong, 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 death to the idol. Christian picketers? I mean, where is that in the scriptures? Now, if you pick it, I'm sorry. It's just not there. Good luck, whatever. Like, well, I'm going to get spit on for the name of Jesus. Well, okay, whatever. But you know what? That's not in the scriptures. I know that's hard for us to hear sometimes, but it's not there. And I, I believe in doing the right. Here, can I just bottom line it for you guys? I believe we need to look to the Bible, and we need to look to Jesus as our example. The Bible. Let's do what the Bible. Christians, we need to do what the Bible says. Jesus is our example. I mean, they didn't go out there and start quoting a bunch of scriptures and daring the king. I dare you, just, I dare you to throw me in there. Really, what they did is they just stood up for what was right. When everyone bowed, they stood there with their mouths shut. Sometimes we make, uh, we make so much more trouble for ourselves than what would ordinarily come because we're kicking and screaming and throwing a fit while we're quoting scriptures. And, we're, and, and, it's just, and it might be even something that we're told to do that, uh, or admonished to do that is actually in direct conflict with the scriptures. But the truth is you need to stand for what is right, but you don't need to make a big scene about it. My friend, what that is, is that's actually drawing attention to yourself. You're just wanting everybody to know what you're against. And, and really, I would rather stand for God Watch what God will do. Around here, we have this value at our church. We call it the value of influence. It's one of our four cornerstone values. And, and, uh, and, and, and I, I love this value. And I, I put it on the screens for you. It says influence. We measure our success by marketplace and community impact. I'm focusing on that word, impact, okay? Here's the explanation of it that we have for our church. It says, we know that only the presence of God can redeem the culture. It's God, okay? It's God. So we are active and present within the culture. They went to the event. You see? Being salt and light wherever we go. We choose to seek out common ground with others in the marketplace and community. And here's the biggie right here for us today. Be known. We want to be known for what we are for rather than what we are against. We recognize that loving our city means loving the people in it. See, I, I, I could get up here on this platform and rant and rave every Sunday and tell you all the things that I'm against, but what good will that really do? Read the Gospels. Jesus was basically verbally strong against 
the religious folks who made up ridiculous rules and acted pious and tried to show off their religion and, and, and made it difficult for people to get to God. That, read it. It's there. And it's time the Christians start acting like Christians. What does Christian mean? It means you act like Christ. You act like Jesus. It literally means I do what Jesus did. So Jesus didn't get up and rant all the time. But what he would do is he would simply stand. And that's what I'm telling you guys. You need to stand, and you need to stand for God, though, no matter what. And if you are confronted, here's, here's what I challenge you to do. Choose the route that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And that's this. You don't need to defend God. Let God show off. God will show off if we'll let him. Probably my favorite line in this whole story is this. is that we don't need to defend ourselves in this matter. You see, there are two sides. There's defense and there's offense. And, and, and you need to be adept at both, yes? And if you personally are being attacked unjustly, of course you need to defend yourself. Uh, but if, if God is being attacked, don't you think that he can do a better job at defending himself than you? Any sports fans out there? All right, what does the defense do? They try to stop the other team from scoring, right? But you look at the sports, sports scores, and if there are numbers up there, that means that somebody broke through the defense. That means the defense broke down. What does offense do? Offense scores. Now, ever since I was a kid, I figured this out pretty quickly. He's like, I want to be on offense. I don't want to be a defense player because offense means I get to push the limits. Offense means I get to make progress. Defense always loses ground because it's just simply the nature of the game, but that's the way it works. And if you find your God being challenged, I, why not adopt a very strong offensive statement such as, I do not need to defend myself or defend my God in this matter. Are you giving up? I mean, come on. No, actually, that is a huge faith statement. You're just now opening up the door for God to really show off, and you're getting out of the way. I can only imagine what would have happened if the children of Israel would have gotten in the way and tried to start defending God. We may not even know this story. It may not have turned out the way that it did because God said, well, I was wanting to show off and defend myself, but there you go. So when do you want me to show up? You know? And then all you have to do is basically this, is establish that God's in charge. Now, and here's how you do it, just like they did. They, they, they basically said this, and this is what we need to say, is God can, God will, and even if he doesn't. God can, God will, even if he doesn't. God can deliver me, God will deliver me, and even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to sin. That's how we need to do it, guys. Listen to what they said to the king. They said, if we're thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Now, sometimes we get ourselves all psyched up, and we want things to happen and, to, and happen in a certain way. But if they don't, then we lose it, and we get all depressed, and we give up on God. And we need to adopt this attitude, and it's, it's this attitude that's not a lack of faith, but it's a lack of huge faith, total faith, which says, I am going to trust God no matter what. I'm going to be walking through the fire, but I'm not going to get my feet burned. I'm, God's going to show up. I did this little thing. I put this little graphic out there on social media the other day, and I uh, just want to share it with you. It's, it's just, this is my Thanksgiving graphic. And I shared the scripture at the Thanksgiving table with my family where we talked about what we're thankful for. And um, I shared the scripture. This is, this is what I'm thankful for, is that we went through the fire, we went through the water, and God has brought us to a place of abundance. Some of you need to make Psalm 66, 12 a scripture that you can live by. 
God brought you through the fire. God brought you through the water. Maybe he's bringing you through the fire. He's bringing you through the water. He's going to take you to a place of abundance. Basically what this means is my feet are in the fire and I'm not getting burned. Today we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to sing to the Lord and all the rest of the zither players. I want you guys to come on up here to the platform. We're, we're going to sing. I'm going to ask us in a moment to to uh, lift our hearts and our hands and we're going to ask God to simply intervene in our situation. We're going to sing this song that we sang earlier. I love the lyrics to it. I really, really do. It says, My heart beating, my soul breathing, I found my life when I laid it down. Upward falling, spirit soaring, I touched the sky when my knees hit the ground. Sing, find me at your feet again. Everything I am reaching out, I surrender. Come sweep me up in your love again, and my soul will dance on the wings of forever. Upward falling, spirit soaring, I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. He's the one to worship. Will you close your eyes all across this room? Close your eyes for a moment. I want you to focus internally. If you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about, or maybe you just need a clean slate, you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you need to make a fresh start today and get things right with God, then I want you to be included in this closing prayer. And the way to just let me know is to say, Pastor, pray with me. Today's a day of a fresh start for me. Because faith is when you respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. That's why I do ask you to raise your hand. Also, so I can agree with you. Hey, God loves you a lot. He loves you so much. And he died for you so that you can live with him forever. And everything can change today. Will you please lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need Jesus. I want to get that fresh start today. Lift your hand for me. I want to pray with you. Everyone, please stand. Please stand. If you lifted your hand, I want you along with everyone in this congregation to pray these words out loud with me. Come on, say these words. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Today I choose to worship only you. Today I dedicate my life to you. In Jesus' name. 